Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM, 87.6, 8718 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning with Lyle and Mon. And of course, this is the delayed broadcast. This was recorded yesterday, the day before, I'm not sure when, but it was pre-recorded. And so if the news sounds just slightly out of date, then that's because you're getting the delayed broadcast. But if you would like to get the live show, let me tell you how to get the live show. And uh, last week we were down at Jindabyne with the Grey Nomads camp down there. And of course, uh, all of the Grey Nomads signed up to the live show while we were there, got it all working on their phones. They were all listening to the radio. They get perfect signal wherever you go. So the live show, this is how you get it. You go to faithfm.com.au and press play or... You simply uh, download the TuneIn app. Make sure you get the free version of it there. And once you've got the free version of the TuneIn app, you make Faith FM Australia one of your favorites and you are good to go. However, that's how you get the live show. And of course, with the live show, well, we tell you this every day. You can participate in all the good fun that we have on the breakfast show. Now, coming up in today's news. Today's show, we can tell you a little bit about what is going to be taking place because we already know what's taking place. Uh, Mon is going to talk to us about, well, Mon and I are going to have a discussion about water in Tasmania, of all things. Just a bit of a random conversation during our encounter with God, but it's a good conversation nonetheless. Uh, We're also going to have a story um, looking at uh, radical Islam in Australia, talk a little bit about that, and some of the things that Scott Morrison has been saying and um, some of the things that uh, various imams have been saying in, in reply to that. We are going to have an interview with Mark McCrindle. And, of course, Mark is a fascinating individual. This guy runs a very large and successful company um, dealing with social social research. And as a social researcher, he's able to provide information to uh, lots of uh, businesses and companies who are looking at, you know, how, how do we most effectively market to the community. But as a devout Christian man, he is has been producing social research for the Christian community and for the religious community, looking at the movements within Christianity within Australia. And some of his findings are going to surprise you. Uh, you might be wondering, where are we at in Australia as far as religion goes? Is it all bad news? Is some of it good news? Um, what, what, what are we headed for? What kind of a society is being built? And the answer to that is going to be coming up as Mark shares all that information with us. So stay tuned here on Faith FM. We love you guys. We love, we love it even when you listen to the delayed broadcast. Don't forget to call in if you would like to have the live show in your area. We'll see what we can work out for you. 1-800-324-843 is our number. Enjoy the breakfast show, guys. Stay tuned.
Jesus saves, He will lift you from the crashing waves, crashing waves, He will never leave you. Jesus saves, Jesus saves, He will lift you from the crashing waves, crashing waves, He will never leave you. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Caitlin Clampett with Love Lifted Me here on Faith FM as I clear my throat. Yeah, good on you. We have a new quiz going live this morning. It's our new breakfast Bible quiz. I think I might make it a little bit easier than yesterday's, but not too much easier. I'm going to make it a what book am I quiz. Uh, so that's one out of 66. So it's not, you know, the odds are stacked in your favor. One out of 66 is not that hard. And uh, I'm going to give you the first clue now. What book am I? This book tells that God made husband and wife one because he was seeking godly offspring. What book said that? Give me a call if you know the answer. It's 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. Lyle, do you know the answer? Well, I know where God said that he made husband and wife one. Mm. But in relationship to godly offspring... I'd be very surprised if you knew the answer, if you had a crack. I mean, take a crack, see if you can write down the right answer. If you can get it before Lyle, of course, double prizes as ever. And if you want to text the answer, you can text to 0491 which should be something very easy for at least a 100 of you to do because uh, undoubtedly you've saved that number into your phone after winning the YouTube cookbook. And uh, you can just quickly text us what you think the answer is. By the way, for those of you who still haven't received your cookbook, fret not. If you go to YouTube, uh, these are the people who the first 100 subscribers. By the way, we, we're over 100 subscribers now, so um, that competition has now closed. But for those of you who were in the first 100, head to YouTube. We put up a special video for the winners with instructions on how to collect your cookbook. So head there. Our YouTube channel is Faith FM Australia. Absolutely. Mm. And we're posting those out. Well, we're starting to post those out uh, yeah, this, this week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no. Well, no. Tomorrow, maybe. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. So those will be in the mail version. We recent. need staff to do all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big week for our staff. <laughs> anyway, uh, did, did you guess who it was? What book that was? Uh, no. Mm-hmm. Good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get there. We'll get there. So what have you got in positively different news for us there, Mon? Okay, I'm not sure how you're going to take this news. I'm not sure if you'll think it's positive or not. But this is something that I've long suspected it's going to happen. So uh, countries are saying to ban the sale of new fossil fuel cars 
and uh, and make electric vehicles cheaper. So uh, the Prime Minister of Denmark has announced the country will be banning the sale of um, new gasoline and diesel fueled cars in 2030. Uh, you know, obviously as a means to reduce their carbon footprint. Um, and they hope to have more than a, a million hybrid and electric vehicles on the road before the ban goes into effect. And, um, you know, they said they're going incent- to incentivize the transition by making electric vehicles more affordable and opening up their bus lanes to clean ve- cleaner vehicles. So if you have a, like, you know, a cleaner vehicle, you can drive in the bus ah, lane. That's cool. That's a pretty good incentive. That's not gonna awesome. lie. Driving yeah. the bus lane looks like fun. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, if I lived in Sydney. That would, that would be, be a, a yes. massive incentive Huge. right there. Can you imagine if Australia did that? Like every Sydney side, I would be like buying an EV and driving in the bus lane. <laughs> yeah, I looked. At, I, I looked into buying an electric vehicle one time, and mm-hmm. it was you know the range was a bit too short, and I'm thinking, okay, I'd have to charge it at home and then charge it at work before I came home. And so you'd have to stay right on top of it. That would mean a lot of uh, extension cords running out across the car park, yeah. which are going to you know be getting a lot of traffic running over them. And over time, that's going to be a bit of an issue. And then you're going to be paying for electricity from your you know company because you've got to charge it at work. Mm-hmm. This kind of thing. And so it's sort of like it still is a bit of a rigmarole. Yeah, it was a bit of a rigmarole, and that's why it, it, it sort of put me off. But if bus lanes were open. I think that would definitely tip the balance in Sydney. Mm, if mm-hmm. I was living in Sydney or you know one of the other big cities that is completely congested, that would I, be a massive incentive right there. To, I, I think I'd just probably just go out and buy one. Yeah, to be honest, I still think that we are a long way off from everyone having an electric car because if you think about like you know, it's only at like flash shopping centres um, that I have seen charging stations. Can you imagine if like there's only, there's only ever like about four charging stations? What happens if like a thousand people turn up to the supermarket? You know, like let's say a Westfield, which have you know parking capacity for thousands of cars, and they all need to charge up. You know what's going to happen? It'll be like a, a, like yeah, a it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how the, uh, the the price of electricity goes up yeah. as uh, service stations try to uh, stay open. Yeah, you know, because they, they've they've got to have a fast charger there, and you know it takes twenty minutes to on a fast charger to charge a car, on a slow charger it takes all day. Mm-hmm. Um, how's that actually going to function? How's that going yeah. to work? It's, it's it's more it's more problems. But you know, Denmark Denmark doesn't actually produce any cars of their own, so they so apparently they're planning on collaborating with other uh, European nations um, to pressure automakers into manufacturing more electric vehicles. I'm totally in favour of electric cars. I think that they're awesome because they have so much power and so much torque. Yeah, well, apparently the only thing I don't like about them. Is they don't have that that V eight throb. They're just <laughs> like quiet, me. and they sound well, you know lame. They sound lame. About. But but you know, I, I, I think I, I would miss my diesel four wheel drive. Mm-hmm. But then, if you think about electricity, it actually is probably the ultimate uh, propulsion for a four wheel drive. You could have electric motor in all four wheels. Um, computer controlled, ultimate traction, uh-huh. um, 100% torque from zero revs. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot going for it with electricity force, you know, some of these, uh, some of these machines. Well, I'll tell you what I'm worried about. So, I mean, apparently Denmark wants to be carbon free by 2050, but they're not the first country to pass like these huge legislation, like sweeping legislation, um, targeting fossil fuel cars. I mean, France has apparently banned the use, the use of petrol and gas powered cars by 2040. Norway, on the other hand, is taking it a step further by banning the sale of all non-electric cars by 2025. 2025 Ooh, that's not far is off. just around the corner. And I'm worried about, like, what about classic cars? Classic cars are awesome. Yeah, and you've you got to have, you've got to have, I'm pretty sure that, I'm pretty sure they'll have exceptions for historic They're better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I don't think we've ever surpassed the, the, the really cool style that we, you know, that cars no. had back in the 50s and yeah. 40s, you yeah. know, which yeah. 
never going to happen. I don't, I don't think this is what the legislation is targeting. It's targeting I hope not. It's targeting they can take all those ugly Camrys off the, off the road. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone in the Camry out there is hanging ugly. their head right now. They're not ugly. They're just boring. Look, yeah, look. Everything. So Boring. Honestly, like mid eighties onwards, nothing cool has been. Nothing visually appealing has been produced, except for like extremely expensive, like you know, sports cars. Yeah, and and uh, there's been a few iconic, you know, like the the Jeep shape. Yeah, that yeah, kind of yeah. Stuff. That's cool. That yeah, got you. Yeah, got um, me there. That maintain a bit of the cool factor. But you're right. You're, you're yeah, yeah, absolutely right. I think our our grandchildren who are going to be restoring 1980s cars and thinking that their classics are going yeah. to be like, what is wrong with them? Anyway. I, w- I also wonder like if learning like the mechanics of how to, you know, fixing up cars is going to be a totally lost art form in like 50 years because motor. Yes, people forget how to run it, how to, how to work on an in- internal combustion engine. Yeah, yeah, because it's all like electrical stuff now and we're going to have Sparkies. Sparkies going to be having a heyday. Yes. But yeah. I wonder whether it will create a backlash like it did in Australia when we all started to go solar with our um you know, with our rooftop solar and it just pushed, you know, electricity prices through the roof mm-hmm. and became a tax on poor people. Yeah, that's right. Massive tax on yeah. poor people. Yeah, it's it's I mean, all the poor people now have to pay for the uh, poles and wires. Yeah. That uh you know, cuz you can't get rid of the poles and wires because but you know, nobody's paying for the electricity anymore, so um, it's only the poor people who can't afford solar panels who have to pay for all that. It's definitely something to keep our eye on, this whole electric car movement. And do you know what? It's I, think, I think they should also go vegetarian and keep the V8. I was just about to say, it's such a shame that we think this is the answer. Like, if everyone just stopped eating animals and animal products, we would have no problem. We could all own, like, three Jeeps each and it wouldn't matter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, let me tell you another quick, really cool story, Lyle. Yeah. So, a homeless man... Uh, in America, he was he was dumpster diving and he found a, uh, a piece of art in the trash, right? And so he goes into a little secondhand, like um, you know, porn shop, and, and he flips it. And the guy um, who, who runs the shop gave him twenty bucks for it, and it was a picture uh, from from Disney's animated film Bambi. Neither of them realized it was a genuine piece of the storyboard when they make like make the film, mm-hmm. and so he ended up selling it. Uh, the artwork later on eBay for thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And, uh, and the, the shop owner, bless his heart, instead of trying to keep the earnings, which is something I'd be very tempted to do, decided to track this homeless man down and split the earnings with him. Oh, wow. And yeah. How do you find a homeless? Well, that's what he said. He said, I decided to do the right thing and find him. Um, but it, it was really hard to find a guy who doesn't have an address or a phone number. He took it by myself to drive around town for a period of two weeks every single morning before work to try and found him, find him. So he eventually found some of his mates and, uh, and got the word through to come visit him. And he thought that he was just coming to visit him to just sell on a trinket or something. So he turns up at the guy's shop and who's something else you could sell? And the guy's like, no, no. Hands him an envelope with like, <laughs> Two grand full of cash in it. And he's like, here's your cut. And the guy's like, no way. And apparently he's been trying to raise money to go back home to, um, to Canada where his mother and four children are. So he's, he's fallen on hard times and been homeless for about three years. And since the story broke, uh, his new friend, his shop owner friend set up a, a, a um, crowdfunding page and, uh, to raise money to get this guy back home. And they've already reached over $10,000. Oh, wow. Praise yeah. Isn't that incredible? Just from that's, a, that's phenomenal. Finding a little Bambi photo in the, uh, in the trash. Just and it's surprisingly how easy it is in today's society to fall on hard times and become homeless. Absolutely. Even if you have a family and everything. You can have a family, yeah. you can have uh, education, you can have a great job. And uh, the wrong thing happens and suddenly you're uh, out on the street. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to be thinking about our, our, our homeless society and keeping them in mind in our prayers and, uh, and in our charity as well.
That was the Porter's Gate, Wood and Nails, here on Faith FM. Mon, give us another clue for this quiz. I want to solve it this time. <laughs> I love it when you're stumped. Okay, it's a what book am I quiz. This is a quote from this book. It says, See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dread- dreadful day of the Lord comes. I'll give you a book, chapter, and verse on that one. Oh. <laughs> Lyle's figured it out. If you can figure it out, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324. 843 or you can text 0491064669 if you know the answer of course we will send you a prize okay so in today's news we find out that uh, food bank has just had a massive cut in funding from $750,000 of government funding for, per year down to $427,000 of funding that's steep cut. so that's a very steep cut and it's going to be interesting to see how that relates to the various uh, food bank organisations there are around Australia. Now, if you are unaware of how this whole system works, basically what it comes down, it's a great system that uh, is supported by the federal government uh, to recycle food. Yeah, which we need to do because waste is, in my opinion, a sin. Okay, so how do you recycle food when you eat it and then eat it again and then eat it again? Yeah. <laughs> Lyle, that's disgusting. <laughs> no, that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about recycling food. Recycling food is... Uh, collecting together food that has passed its best uh, by date. Yeah. Okay, so once it goes past the best you know, best by this date, then it is still edible food. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just a little bit more stale. It's just something – no, not really stale. It's just something that the um, food producing companies do to just cover their, cover their backsides from – Yes, know, this is not a yeah. use-by date. It's just, you know... A best-by date. You can't sue us after this kind of date. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah, that kind of thing. And also, uh, a lot of the uh, local food banks, they collect a tremendous amount of produce and that kind of thing. So, you know, I worked with the one in Maitland there for a while. Yep. Um, a great program. They it's a great put out initiative. About, yeah, great initiative. They're doing uh, 60, 70, 80 uh, food trays per week to help uh, disadvantaged people. And these are, you know, quite large food trays. There's a lot of food in it. They collect a lot of uh, bread and produce locally. And then they have a weekly order from Food Bank, uh, one or two pallets that are coming up from Food Bank. And this is food that has uh, come off the supermarket shelves because it's past its best buy date. But it's still good food. Yeah, absolutely. And so normally this would all go into landfill. So, you know, millions and millions of tons of food going into landfill that is now going out to help disadvantaged people in our communities. And it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful uh, thing to see happening. It's something that we should just do automatically. It's really something we should do on auto. I was so <coughs> pleased when I've seen that um, Woolworths has now got the odd bunch. Have you seen that initiative? Uh, so, you nope. know how they have like... Um, when you, well, you wouldn't know. You probably don't do your grocery shopping. When do I go into Woolworths? <laughs> okay, so you know, when you go to a supermarket and you see all this, like you know, perfect looking uh, fruit and veg, just you know, rows and rows and rows of it in the in the. When grocery I go into Woolworths, I have a I have a shopping list, and it's like tomatoes, tomatoes, got tomatoes. Uh, anyway, beans, beans, anyway, beans, got beans. In like, it's almost like back behind all the perfect looking fruit and veg. They now have what they call the odd bunch, and you can buy a bag of. What, like imperfect apples, disshaped apples that usually they would discard. Yes, but they're now bagging them up and selling them for cheaper to people who don't mind how their apples look. That's right, and they taste and better. I love it. They taste better than the shiny ones anyway. Yeah, and because they're often I'm riper, like, they've got a couple of little marks. And who on really them, cares what your apple shape exactly. is? Exactly, use and like a knife for, for cheaper, goodness sake. I love buying the odd bunch. It's just, and I think more. I think the whole supermarket should all be odd bunches. We shouldn't have this weird concept that fruit naturally looks like like, like, a, like a Disney movie. <laughs> yeah, it's all weird. Yeah, because I mean, when I used to work in the uh, in the apple industry, you know, and you can do all kinds of things to apples to make them look nice. It doesn't make them taste nice, and doesn't make them more nutritious. A lot of the apples that didn't look nice 
which were which actually tasted nice and were uh, quite nutritious. They just went for juice. Yeah, that's right. And if you saw what was going for juice, you'd never drink apple juice in your life. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's another story again. Um, and, and so this is what often happens. You know, the, the, the damaged food look goes into places where they're, you know, to processed food and the bright, shiny stuff goes out on the shelf and it tastes like chaff a lot of the time, to mm, be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. Yes, yeah, true. Okay, so um, the reason for this, of course, and of course the, the timing's really bad because this is just a couple of weeks before Christmas. Um, the reason for this is that Oz Harvest has uh, come in as a third supplier. So we've only up until this point had two suppliers, uh, uh, Second Bite and Food Bank. Mm-hmm. And now Oz Second Harvest- Bite, that's the truck I was behind yesterday. Oh, yeah. Second Bite. And I was like, mm, what is that? Yeah, the one we worked with, uh, and I think we still do out at Maitland, uh, and that, of course, meets in the Gilliston Heights Community Centre every Thursday from about 3 o'clock onwards. Yes, come along if you, need, yep. if you need some food. Uh-huh, absolutely. Get yourself a tray of food. Uh, that one there um, operates with Food Bank, but Oz Harvest is the new kid on the block. And now the basically what the federal government is saying is we've got X amount of money and we divvy it up three ways now rather than two ways. They're not reducing the amount of money that they're using to support these industries. It's just that they're now dividing up between three rather than between two. Now, that could be a good thing in that it could make uh, the food bank budget even better to deal with. You know, a little bit of competition never goes astray. On the other hand, it could mean that some of these... Um, you know, food bank, uh, second bite, etc. Really struggled to be able to provide for the Christmas break. So it'll be interesting to see how that all comes about. And of course, uh, the vast majority of the food banks operating operating around Australia, providing for needy people, are church based organisations, faith based organisations. And so the churches are out there and working with uh, these large charities to actually get the food to the people. The Gillison Heights one, for instance, is an initiative of the Maitland Seventh Day Adventist Church. Have you ever done the uh, the Christmas uh, banquets that they put on for the for the homeless and for the needy? Uh, yes, they're, yes, yeah, they're really fun. Oh, God, on Christmas so Day, fun. yeah, 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 I love we, it. There's one, there's one every year. They do a little uh, Christmas uh, banquet every year out at the Gilson Heights mm-hmm. Food Bank, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's really amazing. There's a whole community happens there. You know, everybody turns up about a couple of hours before it opens, and sits around, and, you know, has a coffee and and, and relaxes and and socialises, and and it's it's it's, it's their it's their community. It's it's kind of like their church. Yeah, I I've, my mother and I used to do it in Perth, and um, it was really fun because you turn up and you get assigned to a table as a host or a hostess, and then uh, you know several families. Families will join you at that table, and then you're responsible for making sure everyone has a good time. You, you go get the food and serve it to them. It's, it's really great. It's oh really, wow! Yeah, and it's so many different you know companies and businesses and charities have, have have pulled the resources together to basically put on the a big Christmas dinner for yeah homeless and mm. and often it was just immigrant families who had and it wasn't so much that they were needy in terms of um, physical things that they needed that they needed social interaction. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. They had no family. Absolutely. And this is the great, thing about, no great thing about a lot of these food banks is that it creates that social interaction and it creates that sense exactly. of community. Yeah. Okay, moving along from there, the death toll in the California fires is into the 30s, making these uh, the deadliest fires in California in history. Uh, so we need to be praying for them. 228 people still missing. Um, of course, in Paradise, California, just uh, cutting a little bit closer to home for us here at Faith FM. We're uh, backed by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and of course the Seventh-day Adventist Church there burned down. Oh, really? Along with probably a lot of other churches and buildings. I mean, this is a city of, what, 20,000, 7,000 mm. people that's just basically been incinerated. That's terrible. 
It is really, truly horrific. And it just, you know, you look at the challenges that um, uh, the, the emergency services are having to deal with in recent years as a result of climate change. Yes, true. And, you know, increases flooding, fires, um, heat waves, these kind of things. It just fascinates me that you can have a one, less than a one degree rise in temperature and suddenly the whole planet starts to fall apart and we're just having disasters left, right and centre of, you know, huge proportions. And it just shows how finely tuned our planet is for life. Yeah, and how nonsense evolution is. Like, we don't get this kind of fine tuning by accident. No, yeah. you know, one or two, you know, it, it, it seems like uh, degrees further or closer to the sun, you'd have massive climate change mm-hmm. and life could not exist. It would just would cease to exist. You, you, you get, you know, half a degree rise in temperature and suddenly the planet is falling apart. Yeah. It just, uh, it's just amazing that our planet, our world was placed in the position that it was placed and so perfectly uh, positioned to sustain life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Without raging wildfires. Yeah, raging wildfires or constant floods or massive uh, cyclones and all that kind of stuff, which we are now starting to get. Anyway, have we got time for one more story? Scott Morrison has called to imams across Australia to report radicalising uh, elements or radicalising people within their congregations. Wow. Um, the imam of the Burke Street attacker uh-huh. um, has come out very strongly criticising uh, this. And so this is a bad move. Um, we yeah, if they can tell that someone's getting radicalised, they should definitely... like. Yeah, it should be mandatory it. reporting in any religion mm-hmm. uh, because radical uh, radicalization and the move to violence is never a positive thing and if you see someone within your religion being inspired to violence then report it regardless of what your religion is that's our social responsibility we report uh, pedophiles and those kind of things we need to report violent uh, people as well in shady green pastures so rich and so sweet God leads his dear children along Where the waters cool flow bathes the weary one's feet God leads his dear children along Some through the waters, some through Through the flood, 
some through great sorrow, but God gives us all in the night season and all the day long. Away from the mire and away from the clay, God leads his dear children along away up in glory eternity's day God leads his dear children along some through the waters some through the That was a beautiful song called God Leads Us Along by The Hand Me Downs, which incidentally is a uh, a wonderful um, <laughs> track we played this morning. So our producer, Shell Lyle's wife, that was uh, her band from way back in the day, her and her sister. I think her cousin had a little band, so we played a little surprise rendition of that recording. I did maybe hack it from <laughs> Shell's computer when she wasn't looking, so... Good on you, Shell. We love your music. And uh, you can you can see how talented she is and why she's a very talented producer and loves to put together the music for us here on the show. Let me give you another clue for our quiz. This is our What Book Am I quiz. And our third clue is this book was written after the Jews had returned from Babylon and rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem. What book was written after the Jews had returned from Babylon and rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem? That gives you a bit of a time stamp as to when this book was written. If you think you can figure it out, give us a call. The number here is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. Of course, you can text us 0491-064-669. Now, we do get in trouble for giving that number out too fast, so let me give it to you again. Get your pens ready. Get your, well, just stick it straight in your phone. You know what? Just stick it straight in your phone. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Save that on your phone. Text us every morning if you know the Bible quiz answer, and of course we will send you the prize. Now, of course, for those of you who have already won the prize from subscribing to our YouTube channel, head to our YouTube now. Our uh, latest videos include a video where we begin. Um, Lyle and I give instructions on how to collect your wonderful prize. That beautiful. Uh, Nature Superfoods Cookbook. Lyle, very excited about our interview this morning. Yes, I've got uh, Mark McCrindle on the line, who is a social researcher. Mark, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks. Great to be with you. Hey, uh, now, Mark, I'm just wondering, I I was sort of thinking, okay, how do I actually describe a social researcher? But you know what? I thought maybe you could describe this uh, best yourself. What does a social researcher actually do, and uh, and, and how how does that actually... uh, yeah, how does how does that what, what does that do for people? Yeah, well, 
you know, it's it's important for us all to understand our community, our our nation, our, our fellow Australians, and indeed, you know, this 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 global uh, context in which we're living. And that's what we do as social researchers. We research society. We look at opinions and attitudes and values through surveys and in-depth interviews and focus groups. We try to, if you like, take the pulse of the nation. You know, what's the mind and mood of Australians now, and how does that compare to? other countries as well. We look at things like demographics to look at emerging segments of growth patterns or the size of cities and, and states and where we're moving to and all of that sort of stuff gives us a bit of a perspective of what's happening on the social landscape. So that's what we spend our time doing. Fantastic. And that I guess, I guess uh, relates to you know many people working in, in all kinds of different areas of uh, you know industry and so forth in marketing and being able to reach out to uh, you know different market groups and, and, and these kinds of things. Exactly. And, and anyone in any form of communication, you know, whether it be marketing or advertising, whether it be uh, teaching and training, whether it be you know, better managing and engaging with our employees, you know, we need to understand some of those generational changes or the cultural gaps or the emerging segments, if you like, so that we can more effectively bridge those gaps, communicate, connect and really speak um, effectively into our, our changing culture because times today are different to how they were you know, even a decade ago. Yeah, sure. Now, I was uh, at um, a leadership program um, for Seventh-day Adventist Pastors a couple of weeks ago where you were doing a presentation on you know, how, what your social research has been revealing about you know, religion and so forth and, and how, it's being, how it's impacting our community. Um, and just sort of wanted to, uh, you know, look through some of that was fascinating research. Um, you know, it, it, to begin with, you know, how many generations or cultures have existed here in Australia, you know, say since just the 1950s and, 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 and what has, you know, changed in our values since then? Mm. Yeah. From, from a religious been, perspective. Yeah, that's right. We've been on, on quite a, a journey of change and that changes, you know, with our population, um, Back in the 1950s, uh, the majority of people that were born overseas were born in European countries. In fact, that was the case even into the 1980s. Uh, uh, four of the, the top five countries that people had, had been born in that had, that had moved to Australia were in Europe, um, and then number five was New Zealand, uh, whereas now China and India and the Philippines round out the top five. So we've changed in terms of our cultural diversity, our migration patterns. We've changed in terms of, well, our population size. Um, so that's been quite phenomenal as well. And uh, as we were entering the 1950s, our population uh, had not hit double digits. It was still a, around nine and a bit uh, million people. Today we're at 25 million people. So, uh, you know, more than... We're about two and a half times as large as we were then. We've become more densified in terms of living in cities, apartment living. With that, you know, new generations, new attitudes, new technologies, and all of that has changed you know, the mindset and the perspective that people have towards Christianity and, and, and faith generally. So we are living in more secular times. Now, still in the most recent census of 2016, more than half of the population identified their religion as Christianity. That was 52%. Uh, so it still just survives as the most dominant worldview in Australia. But, uh, you know, it's, it's slipped a long way from the 1950s when it was uh, almost 9 in 10. 
has the just a, a, a question here? Has the um, the reduction in Christianity is that a result of immigration coming from more non-Christian nations rather than Christian nations, or is that um, a result of just the secularization of our world? Yeah, it's definitely a bit of both. You know, people filling in that census form traditionally, which says that question says. What is your religion? They would say, well, I mean, I, even if I don't go to church, uh, uh, I was raised or I went to Sunday school or my parents um, uh, taught, me, <coughs> taught me this or that or I think they were of this particular denomination, so I'll tick that particular box. Uh, these days, that's not the case. And people say, well, even if my parents were this particular religion or, 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 or I had some experience of this particular church as a youngster, um, it's not what I currently believe or practice. So what is my religion? No religion. And that's why we, we saw, particularly over the last five years, a big increase in people saying no religion. In five years, it went from 22%, uh, just over one in five, to, to now almost one in three, just over 30%. And so, uh, so quite a change in our, in our landscape, but also because of our population, as we looked at or discussed those migration patterns, countries uh, Australians born in countries uh, like Southern Europe and even Western Europe and, and, and the, uh, the, the Pacific Islands are more likely than the average to say Christianity is their religion. But we're not drawing migration patterns from those areas now. Countries the least likely to say their religion is Christianity are those that were born in Southeast Asia, Middle East, Africa and Central Asia. And that is where we're seeing our population um, grow from through migration. So, yes, we're becoming less uh, Christian in terms of that, that, that identification through our migration patterns and more re- religiously diverse. Now we've got the non-Christian religions making up almost one in 10 uh, Australians identifying with, with those religions. So, so that's been a change in the landscape, which has come through a change in migration and a change in attitude as well. Now, what about church attendance? What's happening in the, in the area of church attendance? Well, if we go back again a couple of generations to the 1950s, it was probably the heyday of, of um, Christian engagement and involvement. The churches were well set up with all sorts of ministries and, and programs. Uh, we might remember the, the Billy Graham Crusade of 1959, which um, certainly had a big impact on the, 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 the landscape of Australia. Um, and back then, almost half of Australians went to church regularly. Today, it's down to 15%. So we're about one, one, one in a third of those who used to go in proportion. Um, so that, that highlights a bit of a change. I guess it's that back in the 1950s, the, the, the Australian perspective, values, worldview, practice, and the church teaching, worldview, and practice were, were pretty much overlapped. But since then, in, in the, the generation since then, the, the society has, has shifted a lot. And, uh, and that's why there's a big gap now between the church and the general society. And so, you know, churches really need to work harder to bridge that gap to engage with our population. And we can't just expect people to come along to church now uh, because it's not the, the done thing. It's not the social norm anymore. Sure. Now, there's some interesting um, research that you presented in the in the presentation that I looked at, you know, as you know, in comparing how many people consider themselves Christian or believe in Christianity as compared to how many have strong reservations or are opposed to Christianity, uh, revealing that there's actually a, quite a segment of our society that while they do not profess Christianity are definitely open to it. Could you comment on that? 
Yeah, exactly, Lyle. Yes, well, well. so starting with that census result, as we said, 52% of people identified their religion as Christianity. But if we tighten up the question and say, okay, that's your, your religion or your identification, would you personalize that and call yourself a Christian? And now we're down to 38% of Australians um, call themselves Christians. So, so, you know, more than a third of the population, um, which, is, which is pretty pretty solid. And then you've got uh, a number of statements where people say, and this is from our national research, they'll say things like, I believe in Christianity, but I don't consider myself a Christian, or I believe in much of Christianity, uh, but I don't myself practice that faith. And there are, there are statements of warmth like that, but, but certainly these people uh, would not identify as Christians. And that is another one in four Australians. And then you've got neutral statements like, oh, I, I believe that that, that um, people should have the freedom uh, to practice their Christianity, but I don't want to be involved. And, and, and if we add up all of those warm or neutral statements, we're at about three quarters of the population before we get to the more cold responses to Christian things like, I have some issues with Christianity and it isn't for me, or I have strong reservations about Christianity and no interest in it, or I'm passionately opposed to Christianity. And in total, those that are quite... Uh, cold towards Christian things add up to just over one in four Australians. So it means that three in four Australians are either warm or neutral to Christian things. We don't need to think that Christianity is under total siege and the majority of Australians, um, you know, want to see it pushed out of the public spaces or square or, or, or are in opposition to Christian things. It's, it's actually the reverse of that. Three in four are, uh, are warm or neutral towards it. Uh, but one in four are, are fairly strongly um, cold towards Christian things and, and some indeed pushing back strongly on Christianity. That's how the, uh, the numbers play out. Okay, so that's, I mean, that's encouraging for me from a Christian perspective because that's three quarters of the population that, uh, um, that don't open, hate us. Yeah, that, that don't <laughs> hate us and open for evangelism, you know, that, that would be willing to consider, you know, the, the, um, the possibility of Christianity. Um, there's a big mission field exactly. right there. It's, it's a great encouragement, and I think, you know, Christians need to um, uh, keep in mind that, that, you know, our job is to be witnesses and to just share of our own faith, and uh, and uh, and whatever the results uh, are are going to be the results, and that's that's left up to the Lord. But but uh, if we ran a study, in the same study, we then we then filtered out those who said they were Christians. So we, we just got those who said they were non-Christians. They weren't, they weren't Christians, but they were open to, um, to exploring religion. And we said, well, well, how open are you? Uh, sorry, just I'll correct that. We, we just took those who were not Christians. We wanted to explore how open they were. And one in 10, so 10% said they were very open or, or quite interested in, in looking at Christian things. 13% said they would consider it, you know, in the right context if someone you know, started to talk to them. And 77% said that they're unlikely to explore Christianity or would not consider it. But again, what that means is one in four non-Christians uh, out there in our society are, are either very interested, quite open, or would consider a Christian thing. So, you know, certainly uh, it's, I think, an encouragement for us to, to just be real about our faith, share our faith in a, in a genuine and, um, and personal way. Um, Australians have never liked the old uh, Bible-bashing type of approach, um, but they certainly are open from this research in people sharing uh, their own uh, experience uh, of, of God in their life and, and of, of their own faith. That's fantastic news and very encouraging for anybody who uh, yeah, wants to get out there and, as you, as you say, in a genuine way, share what God has done for them. 
um, something that we should all consider. Uh, very quickly, Mark, I wonder whether you could comment on the different generations. So we've got uh, you know baby boomers, X gens, Y gens, and so forth, and where they are at as far as um, religion goes. Yes, well, the older generations were more likely to identify as Christians, and this is both in the census and our own research there. Uh, and that's, again, because they were shaped in, in more Christian times in Australia. The younger generations are less likely to identify with any faith, actually, more likely to be uh, saying no religion in the census, but interestingly are more likely or more open to talking about faith, spirituality, and religion. And so, again, you know, it's not that issues of faith are taboo topics in Australia. People used to say, you know, we don't talk politics and religion. Well, the next generation talk about both of those topics in, in a consistent way. Um, and so, uh, definitely, it's an era where people, you know, can be free to, to talk about their faith, even with the next generation, who certainly will bring different perspectives and are more likely to be of no faith or, indeed, other faiths than 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 the older generations, but open to discussing it. And when we asked Australians, well, what's your perception of Christians? You know, are, they, are they annoying people? Are they weirdos? Well, what, what are they? The top five responses, are, and these are of people who know Christians but aren't Christians themselves, they said they're caring, they're loving, they're kind, they're honest, and they're faithful. They were the top five values. And this list of options had just as many negative stereotypes as, or values as positive ones. And uh, your average Australian does have positive perceptions of a Christian that they know. And they, they're most um, interested or, or responsive to people who live out a genuine faith or to, uh, they like to hear from uh, people who uh, who have been changed due to their faith, and they're they're less likely to respond to an approach where it might be a philosophical discussion, debating religious ideas, uh, or even hearing from Christian celebrities. That 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 doesn't sort of um, speak their language, but they just do want that that genuine discussion of one's own perspective on faith, and, and no doubt uh, that person will share their perspective on on their worldview. And that's that's just how I think friendship and conversation works, and, and how people can explore um, other worldviews and, and, and certainly Christian things. Mark, your research is absolutely fascinating. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for joining us um, on the show this morning. I'd like to be with you. Appreciate it. That was Mark McCrindle, and uh, he's a social researcher. Uh, we'll put up some contact details if you would like to look at more of his research. Right now, moving on with Torin Wells, Hills and Dallies. Away. And I felt the pain of heartbreak And I've seen the brighter days And I've prayed prayers to heaven From my lowest place And I have held your blessings God, you give and take away No matter what I have, your grace is
Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown maybe, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.